Welcome to the KFAX Ministry of the Week. Each week we highlight a local ministry that is impacting the community in Jesus' name. Our hope is to connect you to a ministry in which you can grow and serve in Christ's kingdom. And now your host for the Ministry of the Week, Craig Roberts. On today's edition of the program, a gentleman is certainly no stranger to the KFAX audience. He has had a presence on this radio station for many, many years and a fixture in Bay Area ministry as he serves as the senior pastor of Destiny Christian Fellowship and the host of Destined for Victory, heard Monday through Friday at 3.30 p.m. right here on KFAX. Pleased to have join us today in studio, Pastor Paul Shepard. Pastor Shepard, great to see you. Thanks, Craig. It's always good to be with you and to be part of what you're doing here at KFAX, one of my favorite stations in all of America. That's really true, and I love the opportunity to be with you. You read that just the way I wrote it all, but be sure to give you the 20 bucks later on. Hey, this year you've got a couple of major milestones taking place in your life and your ministry. 35 years in pulpit ministry, and come May, 35 years of marriage to your lovely wife, Meredith. Congratulations. Thank you so much. That's right. I started in vocational ministry in 1982, and that was the same year I started in vocational ministry as an associate pastor in my home church, no less. I became the associate pastor where my dad was the senior pastor, and it was the church I grew up in. So I became the associate pastor of people who taught me in Sunday school. I call it a baptism by fire. That's the way to start your ministry. Let people who have known you all your life uh, try to try to impress them and see how that works out. And that's how I got started in 1982 in March of that year. And then in May, May 1st of 1982, I married Meredith. And that was the greatest decision I made since accepting Christ as my Savior. She is a godsend, and it is an honor to be coming up on our 35th wedding anniversary. This all began back in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. That's right. That was my hometown. Uh, Meredith and her family, we, she was a teenager when her family joined my dad's church. And she joined our youth group, and we did various outings together, and we found ourselves dating. And through a long process, because I, I wasn't convinced I needed to date one person as a teenager, I dated as many folks as I could, frankly. But she was still hanging around. And by my early 20s, when I realized, you know what, I better start thinking about getting married. I couldn't get her off of my mind. And Craig, I just have to be honest with you and your audience. I married up and I married (laughs) above my pay grade, but that was a great, great blessing because through thick and thin, she's been with me. And to this day, she uh, walks with me in the ministry here at Destiny Christian Fellowship. Such an honor to be her husband, such an honor to have her as a life partner. Tell us the story of God's calling on your life, particularly directing you into the ministry. You mentioned about the fact that you were raised in the church. You're a PK, a preacher's kid. Uh, we know that typically a lot of PKs end up going in the absolute opposite direction, maybe as a black sheep for a while coming back in. I think of Franklin Graham, who went and wandered, <laughs> right. got involved in liquor and motorcycles and all of that before he repented. And, and of course, now is running the ministry that his father, Billy Graham founded back in the 1950s, but that sense of calling, um, when did you feel as if this was something more than just showing up at church because that's what dad wanted you to do? Well, I found out early on that the Lord's hand was on me to 
share good news with then young people. So when I was a young, when I was a teenager, uh, I began to be invited to speak at youth meetings. And I would tell folks, well, I'm not a preacher. My dad's the preacher. But, you know, I'd love to share with you my own testimony of, of coming to, to know Christ here in my early life. And and so I started doing that. Next thing I know, I found myself being invited to speak at, like, youth weekends at churches. And one of the real milestones happened when I think I was about 16, and I did a youth weekend at a church in Kansas City Friday night, Saturday, we had a few sessions, a couple of sessions, and then Sunday morning, the pastor asked me to speak because he was making it a youth emphasis in his morning service. I said to him, well, sir, I'm not a preacher. I said, so I, I, I can't do anything on Sunday morning. That's for preachers. He said, no, I've made it a youth service, and I'll just bill you as the youth speaker all weekend long, and I'll make sure I never use the word preacher when you're doing that. I said, okay, good. I, I'll come and do it. And the funny thing is, uh, when I got to Kansas City that Friday to start that weekend, he had several uh, Christian youth in his church, but most of them were not saved. By the time we ended the Sunday morning service, every young person in that church had given his or her life to Christ. So the pastor is driving me to the airport, Kansas City Airport, Sunday afternoon, and at a certain point, he stopped and shook his finger, looked at me and said, I don't care what you call yourself, you are a preacher. And the quicker you accept it, the better off you'll be. And that was when I began thinking, okay, maybe I'll have to do this, but at least I won't be a pastor. That's what I won't do. So I'll speak sometimes, (laughs) but I definitely don't want to be a pastor. That's my dad's job. And I fought. I was in college at the University of Pennsylvania, still trying not to be a preacher or a pastor, But by then, I was sensing the Holy Spirit was saying, you can do this the easy way or the hard way. And uh, finally, I surrendered. I majored in religious studies and started preparing myself for ministry. Was there ever a point in those early formative days that you thought, what am I doing here? Uh, The sense of of, of wandering ever ever, uh, uh, impact your thinking? For me, uh, to be honest, because I loved the Lord since uh, my early life, I had to learn all of my lessons, even the ones learned through disobedience and all that I learned in the Christian life. You know, a lot of times you hear people testify about how hard their life was in sin, and then I came to Jesus, and they kind of give you the impression that all the sin is in their past and all the victory was since they met the Lord. I don't have that testimony because I got saved so young, all my mess-ups have been after I walked with Christ. But here's the good news. I found out I learned more about Christ, that he doesn't want to just seal the deal, close the deal of getting people saved. Too often, I think, the church uses salvation as the end. But to tell you the truth, that's when we began the real journey of growth That's when we begin often the real journey of learning how sinful we are and can be. We have to learn how to walk in obedience. And so all of those lessons for me were learned after I said yes to Jesus Christ. But I'm so glad it's been a journey. In fact, that's why my church is called Destiny 
Christian fellowship because I've come to learn we're all on our way to a, a destiny that God himself has committed to getting us to. He said, I began the good work in you and I'm going to bring it all the way to completion. And ladies and gentlemen, you are not complete. You're nowhere near complete until God says so. So plan to enjoy the journey and walk with Jesus every step of the way. Is it a mistake when sometimes we think that unless someone has had a, a, a Saul on the road to Damascus experience, that somehow, and by that I mean a background of wanderlust and sin and all of this, and then when somebody gets saved because they were a former member of the mafia or what have you, think, wow, what a spectacular <laughs> testimony. But then I think to myself, like in your case, there's no less of a testimony to say, look at what God has kept me from and right. brought me through in my relationship with the Lord that goes back to my, my formative years, you know, uh, the preteen years, whatever the case might be. To me, that's as powerful a testimony as I suddenly lost my sight and met Jesus Christ on the road to Damascus. I agree with you wholeheartedly. We need all of the different types of testimonies. We should not despise any of them. We need the people who were saved out of the mafia. We need uh, one of the young men I discipled early in my as an associate pastor was a young man who was a gangbanger in Philly, and he had a big reputation uh, for that kind of lifestyle. He got saved, really fell in love with Jesus. So I would take him around in my early days of preaching. He would drive me there, and I was kind of discipling him. And I'll never forget one time I said, you know, I have a young man here with me. I'm just going to let him share a little bit of his testimony before I end this message. And I'm going to uh, throw open the lifeline, let, let people come to Christ. And so he came up unpolished, and he told him a little bit about his life and the gangs and all that. And he said, so the bottom line is all you suckers need to get saved. <laughs> and I thought, that is the coolest altar call I've ever seen. And sure enough, a bunch of people came to the altar. I don't know if they were scared or they were convicted, but they came. And it is good to see how God uses all of us, no matter what we've come out of, that Christ is the answer. With us today in studio is Pastor Paul Shepard, Senior Pastor of Destiny Christian Fellowship, located in Fremont. And if you're new to the Bay Area, looking for a new church home, be sure to check them out. You can get information on the web at destinybayarea.org. That's destinybayarea.org. We'll tell you more about the church and Pastor Ball's daily radio broadcast coming up a little bit later on in our conversation. I want to come back to a remark you made, that sense of being real and in some respects, I think, raw in front of the Lord. Oftentimes, there is a, a, a mindset within Christendom that says that we have to follow a certain pattern of behavior to the public in a fashion in which we're almost trying to impress people. And I, and I wonder if sometimes in that effort to try and, and conform with expectations of, of, of public behavior that sometimes um, we therefore don't allow ourselves to be real or genuine, not only with each other, but, but most importantly, we fail to be genuine with the Lord. It's almost as if we put on our church mask right. on Sundays, and then we have our Monday through Friday work mask. And if we're on the crazy party side, we put on our party mask <laughs> on Saturdays. So That's then right. we become like almost like multiple personalities. That's right, and I think that's such a shame. And one of the things I want to see more and more of us in the body of Christ adopt is the attitude 
that going to church is really like taking your empty car to the filling station. You go, just fill up. It is where you drive after that that really counts. Church is not the place to try to pretend to be uh, perfect or anything like that. It's the place to worship the God who loves us where we are and loves us too much to leave us where we are. So he has us on a journey. We go worship him. We take in his word. We fellowship with his people. And then the living starts when you lead the church because we are to let our light shine. And I want I want more Christians. And one of the things I'm passionate about and talk about a lot at Destiny is let's get used to being real and honest no matter what you have to be honest about. And if we'll do that, we will find that Christ is what we're looking for. He is currently in my church. I'm preaching from John chapter 4, and I'm just amazed. I've known that story all my life. But Jesus intentionally said, I have to go through Samaria, not just because the geographical route was going to take him there, but because he had a divine appointment with a woman at a well who was thirsty And she was thirsty for more than water. So he met her at a well, and then he declared himself to be what she needed, and it changed her life. We've got to get used to being okay with being thirsty and then going to Christ and saying, I want that living water. And when he gives it to us, be prepared to let our light shine, as that lady did. She ran down off of that encounter into town and said, come see a man who told me everything I did. Now, truth is, Jesus didn't tell her everything, but he got so in her business that she knew he knew it all. And it changed her. And I think we need to be in the business of life change. Let people come just as they are. Churches have to get away from the idea that you got to dress a certain way because the truth is we need to invite people in just as they are. But once they meet Christ and get a taste of the living water, he'll change them from the inside out. Does this lack of, we'll call it genuineness or candor, uh, sometimes create a barrier then between the the churched and the unchurched? And I, and I ask that question because we'll hear comments sometimes from unchurched folks who will say, well, I don't want to go to church because they're all a bunch of hypocrites. Right. Or others who say, well, I'd like to go to church, but, you know, I, my life isn't all that uh, together right now. And, and, you know, I kind of feel embarrassed in front of God. So when I get my act together, then I'll start <laughs> going to church. And, and, and then there's the whole subset where we hear from some of these studies done by the likes of George Barna, for example, where yes. we find out the the alarming rate of which young people come through the church, reach their late teens, early 20s, abandon the church, in greater numbers not returning, or people who say, you know what, just that whole church thing seems to be my dad's generation, my grandparents' generation, not for me. And I have to wonder if part of it is a sense of impression that people get, a false impression about not only what the church is, but who God is, who Jesus is, because we're not real with ourselves. We're not real with others. And people out there are searching, dealing with real problems, real issues in life that are looking for real answers. And they come back and say, well, church just seems to be kind of phony to me. Yeah. And I think we should take that as as a rebuke and as a challenge. Let's show the world that we are not a place, we're not a country club for great people. We are a hospital for sick people. And we have to be willing to admit that I, too, am a, am a patient here. And I'm, I'm blessed to have seen a lot of progress in my life since I've been, been walking with the Lord. But I'm not perfect. I still have issues. But Jesus is 
the way, the truth, and the life. And if I keep walking with him, he has made me promises that are going to come to pass in every area of my life. And if we will be real, I'm discovering, if we'll be real with people, they will appreciate the honesty. And that, in many cases, will make them chance it and come check us out and see if our message can apply to their lives. Is part of the message, too, the understanding that there is nothing that is beyond the realm of God to heal, to restore, to renew, to revitalize? Um, and I and I asked that question because you mentioned in the previous segment about the current teaching series that you're on. Yes. The woman at the well. I, I think exemplary of maybe a mentality for a lot of us where we almost seem to be surprised to discover that God knows it all, even though we think we're keeping this secret, this thought, this behavior, whatever in our life that stands between us and a relationship with the Lord or our spouse, our children, whatever, that we think somehow that's the one thing we don't want to let get out, quote right. unquote, uh, failing to recognize that not only is the Lord fully aware, but fully willing and capable to come and say, let me take that from you. Let me heal. Let me restore. Let me let me return to you that which the locusts have eaten in your life and allow you to walk and experience full healing, full restoration. And I wonder if we miss out on that often because they think we think we're fooling God. That's right. And and what that woman learned is that Jesus, this was not a casual encounter as I'm sure it felt to her at the beginning. By the time he was saying, go get your husband. And she says, well, I don't have a husband and when he was able to say, that's right, you've had five, and the guy you're with now is not your husband, I'm sure she was shocked out of her mind. But the good thing she learned is he doesn't know me to condemn me. He knows me so that what seems like a confrontation is really a carefrontation. Mm. And we've got to learn that Jesus knows all of us at the core In fact, he knows about us what we don't yet know about ourselves is what Peter found out in Luke 22, the night Jesus was betrayed. I was betrayed. I've come to find that out in my life. I was in ministry when I made my biggest mistakes and and had my greatest failure. I'm in ministry known uh, worldwide for preaching. And we've got to understand that the Lord is not shocked by us. We get shocked by ourselves. But the big thing is he never comes to us merely to condemn us. If the Lord wanted us condemned, he'd have have let Jesus stay in heaven because we were doing a good job of condemning ourselves. In fact, Jesus says, after for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. He goes on to say, God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. And so we must know that our confronting God is really a carefronting God wants to change our lives for the better. Do we need to work harder in communicating that message, Pastor Shepard? And I ask that because there's a lot of people, perhaps eavesdropping on our conversation right now, that are disenfranchised. And by that, I mean, they, they, they want to know God. They recognize that there seems to be something missing in their life. And yet they've been hurt by the church or they've been hurt by the perception that God is standing in heaven with a huge fly swatter just <laughs> right. waiting for us to get out of line before he can come along That's and right. go slap 
and knock us back. And we have that sense that that God is more focused on condemnation than restoration. And so as a result, that oftentimes for a lot of folks creates a huge barrier. How do we how do we dispel that, quite frankly, lie from the devil, I'll call it, Yes, and help people to better understand that, you know, sometimes the church has made mistakes. Yes. Um, sometimes there are mistakes in our perception about who God is or who the character of Jesus is. Yes. But in reality, God is not all about seeing how many people he can catch doing what today and punish them as severely as possible because he takes delight in that. That's right. We've got to help the. I think we have to create a culture of honesty in not only our congregations, but in any group setting where you can get some believers together, whether it's home groups or alpha meetings or whatever it is. We must create a culture where being honest is not only acceptable, being honest is what we all but demand of each other because it is only in honesty that we can become who God has destined us to be. So I, for instance, in my local congregation, we ask the men to come together, those at, whose schedules will allow it, to come together twice a month. Uh, most of the time it's twice a month. We call it men of destiny. It's simply the, the men who come to our church. And I say, if you can meet me, Let's do that. And we go through different books and different resources. Currently, we're going through Dr. Tony Evans' book, uh, Kingdom Man. But it kind of doesn't matter which resource it is, just something that will help us get focused on God's agenda for our lives. But one of the things I've said in these meetings is there's one thing you're not allowed to do here, and that is to front you got to be honest because there's no future in fronting. There's no future in pretending, but there is transformation and life change available to people who will be honest. And so I'm loving seeing men come together, pull the, pa- the mask off because we can't use it in this meeting, and just tell us where you are because that's where Jesus wants to meet you, and that's where he will change your life. We have the whole council, 66 books, Genesis to Revelation. And I think to myself, you know, as a young believer, I would get bogged down in things like genealogy or think, well, (laughs) this Leviticus stuff is kind of interesting. (laughs) I don't know how it applies to me, but it's kind of interesting. And you wonder, well... Is it by accident that all of that counsel is in there? Or if we look at canon scripture, can we say God was very intentional at leaving the totality of scripture there and that every jot and tittle, in fact, um, can teach us something about daily living, our relationships with God, our relationships with others? And so in in terms of, of contextualizing Scripture and then looking at the practical application from Genesis to the end of Revelation, is, yes. is it all in there on purpose? I think it is. The Lord wanted to give us the history of redemption as well as the truth of redemption. And so he starts us literally from the beginning of mankind and walks us all the way through. And I tell people, if you're new, start at the Gospel of John, read through the New Testament so that you get a good grasp on the covenant that we currently live under, the new covenant. But don't abandon the fact that there is truth in the in the Old Testament. In fact, Paul was very clear when he wrote, and he said that the Old Testament has important truths that we need to learn so that we can see how good our God was when he brought us to the place where Jesus came to save us from our sins. So, yeah, take a journey in the scriptures. Don't abandon any part of it. The parts you don't know, um, study, 
to show yourself approved. Hopefully you go to a church where your pastor is committed and the, and the teachers in that church. And I think it will all speak to us because every book, as you just said, Craig, is there for a reason. As you've heard in our conversation today, studying of God's Word, being in a solid Bible-teaching church is critically important to the growth of your relationship with the Lord. If you're looking for a church home, let me suggest that you can check out Destiny Christian Fellowship any Sunday. Information online at destinybayarea.org. That's destinybayarea.org. The church, by the way, meets in Fremont Sunday mornings at 8.30 and 11 a.m. And then there's also a Wednesday night Bible study at 7 p.m. Information on the web at destinybayarea.org. If you're someone who loves to go deeper in God's Word, and I suspect by listening to a radio station like this, that in fact describes you, then we invite you to tune in to the Destined for Victory radio broadcast with Pastor Paul Shepard, heard Monday through Fridays at 3 3.30 p.m. right here on KFAX. More information about the broadcast as well as some resources available through Pastor Paul's website. It's easy, pastorpaul.net. That's pastorpaul.net. Pastor Paul Shepherd, thanks so much for the time today. Thanks, Craig. Always a joy to be with you. Thank you for listening to the KFAX Ministry of the Week. More information about this week's highlighted ministry is available at kfax.com. Until next time, God bless.